Typhoon Kanun may have left Taiwan, but Taiwan's central and southern mountains were still bombarded with rain brought in by southwesterly winds Friday. The Central Weather Bureau issued heavy rain warnings in several areas on Friday, with the central county of Nanto receiving an extreme torrential rain warning by 8 o'clock. Nanto's Renai Township had accumulated more than 700 millimeters of rain, while accumulated rainfall in Jiayi and Kaohsiung broke the 300 millimeter mark. The CWB says this latest rain spell will not let up until Sunday or even Monday when the southwesterlies weaken. As Typhoon Kanun moves away from Taiwan, Yilan, now on the leeward side, has been blasted by downslope winds and fern winds. Potted flowers and fruit trees on roadsides are parched from the heat. Temperatures in this eastern county have risen sharply since Thursday night, and at around 2am on Friday, a temperature of 36.1 degrees was measured in Yilan's Dongshan township. Fern winds are heating up the island's entire eastern half, with Chenggong township in Taidung also experiencing an extremely high temperature of 37.7 degrees. Yesterday evening on August 3rd and in the early hours of this morning, an even stronger southwesterly air current came in. All the rain fell on the west side of the mountains, so for those of us on the eastern side, that brings down hot air. While Taiwan's eastern half baked in the heat, the western half was affected by the tail of Typhoon Kanun and southwesterly winds, which brought heavy rains throughout. In the south of a low-pressure system that's part of the monsoon, there's a relatively strong southwesterly wind, and Taiwan is on the north side of the southwesterly winds. Some southwesterly winds are also blowing into the Taiwan Strait. Therefore, the region of the Taiwan Strait is mainly an environment with westerly winds. This makes the mountainous areas have more continual and significant rain. Renai Township in Nanto County had the most accumulated rainfall in Taiwan, and that caused many accidents. For instance, a landslide left the indigenous Toda village cut off to the outside world. Typhoon Kanoon's outer bands also brought storms to mountainous areas in Jiayi. Train services on the main and branch lines of the Alishan Forest Railway were suspended due to landslides. The Central Weather Bureau forecasts that Taichung, Namto and mountainous areas south of Jiayi will continue to see rain through Saturday night and until Sunday. Torrential rains will continue hitting the area. Looking at the situation now, the daily accumulated rainfall may be more than 350 millimetres in the next day or two. The rain's not expected to let up significantly until Sunday or Monday at the earliest. Residents in the central and southern regions are advised to remain alert. The DPP's presidential candidate Lai Qingde said on Friday that Taiwan's international competitiveness could be improved if the nation became a major player in information applications. Lai was speaking at the annual presidential hackathon, which he attended with Vice Premier Zheng Wenzhan. His speech is seen as part of a counteroffensive by the DPP in the face of attacks from opposition parties. Nationwide briefings on the Thai administration's achievements and Lai's vision for Taiwan are expected to be presented in the days ahead. 
The Taiwan Presidential Hackathon is now in its sixth year. This year's theme was the transition to net zero carbon emissions. Vice President Lai Qingde and Vice Premier Zheng Wenzang both attended the event, where Lai expressed hopes that Taiwan one day could become an information powerhouse. Before we become a major country in information applications, we must have a legal system that can not only protect privacy, but also can provide data that can be fully utilized by the people of our country. Even though we are geographically small, if we become a major player in information applications, it would be very helpful for Taiwan's international competitiveness in the future. In the face of recent frequent attacks from opposition politicians, the DPP plans to hold campaign events for Lai's presidential bid. Officials from both the central government and the DPP's central headquarters, along with campaign spokespeople, will be invited to personally explain the achievements of the Tsai Ing-wen administration and Lai's vision for the future. The first session will be held in Kaohsiung, a southern port city that opposition politicians claim has already been awarded billions of dollars in funding for infrastructure and other projects by the central government. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai will also be in attendance to counter opposition attacks. The DPP is taking the initiative to dispel false rumors with a series of talks, the first of which will be held in Kaohsiung. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai has been invited to take part. The first central government official who will take the stage will be Labour Minister Xu Mingchun. We will continue to plan events for each legislative constituency in Taiwan. Chen and Xu are taking the lead in Kaohsiung's briefings. The DPP has taken the initiative to explain its plans for national infrastructure and peace for Taiwan, with the hopes that the party can win even more support and recognition. The French and Japanese air forces completed four days of aerial combat exercises in Japan last weekend, the first of their kind between the two allies. But even as Paris seeks to build its military alliances in the Indo-Pacific region, its government blocked proposals to open a NATO liaison office in Tokyo. Voice of America's Henry Ridgewell reports from Japan. For the plane-spotting public and for Japan itself, this was something new. French fighter jets flying alongside Japanese warplanes. The joint aerial drills are part of a larger French exercise, codenamed Pegas 2023, taking place across the Indo-Pacific, including in French island territories. It is natural that France, a resident nation of the Indo-Pacific, is particularly concerned by the geopolitical tensions felt in the region as a result of competition between the great powers. Those tensions are also felt by NATO, which cites China as a challenge to alliance interests. Security analyst Michito Tsuroka. NATO's interest is very much affected by what takes place in the Indo-Pacific region. So that means that uh, NATO has to, has to be more engaged for its own interest. At its latest summit in July, NATO debated opening a liaison office in Tokyo. But Emmanuel Macron, the president of NATO member France, blocked the move despite its close alliance with Japan. 
Fabrice Potier is a former NATO head of policy planning. It's pretty clear that uh, President Macron uh, wants to avert any sorts of escalation or dynamic that could lead to escalation uh, with China. Japan and France say the joint exercise aims to promote the vision of a free and open Indo-Pacific region. But does NATO have a role in that vision? It's a question the alliance and its allies in the region have yet to answer. This year's National Day fireworks display will be returning to Taichung after nine years in other cities of Taiwan. Originally, organizers were planning to put on the show at Uchi Fisherman's Wharf. But amid safety considerations, the event was relocated to Taichung Central Park. The park has a wide open space with an area of over 67 hectares, which makes it suitable for big events. Moreover, the place is easily accessible by public transportation. The Taichung city government says it will make further preparations in the months ahead. New Taipei has introduced new rules for claw machine arcades. Starting September, such businesses will not be allowed to operate within a 100-meter radius of elementary, junior or senior high schools. They also need to have a permit to operate overnight between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. Arcade owners say the new rules will harm their livelihoods. There's a stigma against us. We comply fully with government rules. We pay our taxes and follow rules on gaming. All these rules will impact our work-related rights, especially our opening times. The period between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. is our best time for business. If that is put to an end, our income will be halved. Operators have proposed a nighttime management plan. So if the owners can be present at the venue within 30 minutes after they receive a notification from the government, we will allow them to continue operating at night with certain conditions. That way we can find a balance between the operators and local residents. The new Taipei Department of Economic Development says the new rules are introduced to ensure good living conditions for residents. The city's claw machine arcade business association, however, claims that more than 1,000 claw machine arcades in the city will stand to lose more than 80 percent of their income. It has called on the government to loosen the rules to give operators some breathing room. The housing market seems to be on everyone's mind these days as the rise of real estate prices affects many would-be home buyers. Today we take a look at how older people are choosing new homes for retirement. For various reasons, many residents of Greater Taipei choose to switch to a new apartment for their golden years. Redevelopment zones in districts like Zhonghe are extremely popular. Data shows that in last year alone, more than 1,200 new mortgages were signed by older adults in the district. Many people plan to move house when they retire. In Greater Taipei over the last year, the most popular district for retirement homes has been Zhonghe. 
You can get everywhere in the metro for Zhonghe, and probably some of the developments are good, and there's parks and green spaces. You need convenient transport and good amenities, which are simply markets, hospitals and banks. Retirees say that amenities and medical care are the biggest factors in choosing a new home. Statistics from the Joint Credit Information Centre reveal the top three districts in Greater Taipei for new mortgages for over 65s over the last year. Zhonghe is number one, followed by Danshui and Banchao. Taking Zhonghe as an example, there will be three metro lines in the future. Also, the Shuanghe Hospital. In Danshui, you've got the Metro Danshui Xinyi Line and the Light Rail, as well as Mekai Memorial Hospital nearby. These districts have some redevelopment zones. The person might sell their apartment in central Taipei and find a cheaper, better-value apartment complex in the outskirts of Greater Taipei. Redevelopment zones are on the up, popular for retirees as homes to live out their golden years, as well as an investment to pass on wealth to descendants. That means those apartments' prices continue to rise, and that entices even more people to the market. Foodies take note. The Taiwan Culinary Exhibition opened its doors in Taipei on Friday. More than 600 booths are serving up every kind of food imaginable, from humble bites to lavish seafood dishes. Not only does the event showcase the vibrancy of Taiwan's food scene, it also serves up many special offers, including discounts for luxury buffets and hotel stay packages. A mountain of shaved ice topped with red beans, taro balls, mango and more. A bowl of tofu pudding garnished with tapioca pearls and crushed peanuts. These are some of Taiwan's quintessential summer treats, and they can be found at the Taiwan Culinary Exhibition. There's everything from small vendors to hotel restaurants. Check out this tender cut of beef bound in indica rice stems. The stewed meat carries a delicate note of the rice, a mouth-watering marvel. This year, the exhibition has 600 stands, offering cheap bites and a dazzling variety of snacking options. Exhibitors have launched discounts and vouchers to boost business opportunities in the post-pandemic era. Some friends said they'd bring their shopping trolleys. I told them it wouldn't be enough. They'd have to drive a car over to have enough space. Our delicacies can be an added attraction for people visiting Taiwan. During an international academic conference, the foreign participants said Taiwan's food had left a deep impression on them. The past two or three years have been tough for people in the hospitality and food and drink sector. We hope that this year we will receive six million international visitors in Taiwan. Ticket after ticket is printed out. A popular sell at the exhibition is a voucher for a 10-person seafood banquet and a coupon for up to 41% off at the buffet of a five-star restaurant. Another vendor is targeting families on holiday, offering a 71% discount for stays at a camping trailer. It's so worth it. It can be for a family gathering or for company dinner parties. It's good for that too. You can book a room with two meals or four meals with this voucher. So if you buy it, you basically have your holiday planned out for you. 
Consumers quite like this kind of product. We hope to make about 10% more in sales revenue in comparison to last year. Every year we take part in the exhibition. There's always people spending more than 1 million NT. More big spenders also come over the weekend. Unlike last year's edition of the exhibition, Taiwan's borders are open to international visitors, bringing vendors hope for even bigger sales than before. An artist from Ilan is bringing the seaside onto the canvas. Retiree and collage artist Zhu Jianyuan makes fantastic creatures using shells and other materials found on the beach. The natural materials give his art an earthy, grounded quality, even if some of the creatures are out of this world. A local elementary school has invited Zhu to a residency, and local kids have been inspired to create their own natural art. A collection of striking artwork lines the wall. Tigers, dragons and roosters leap from the canvas. Eco-friendly artist Zhu Jianyuan combines natural materials from the ocean into fresh and thought-provoking creatures. All my works use the colours of natural materials, natural colours and shapes and lines, so most of them are animals. Because of the difficulty in collecting shells, Ju graduated from working with just shells to also using trash that's abandoned on the beach or washed up by the tide, thereby expanding his material range. I use seaside waste, like sponges and driftwood, to open up new types of work. So this is another new realm. He uses sponges because he goes to the beach and picks up things that aren't usable and turns them into art. Zhu has lived by the ocean since childhood. His deep interest in art blossomed up after he retired from a career with the Taiwan Railways Administration. Now he concentrates on his creative work with shells and found materials. He was invited to complete an artist residency at Dashi Primary School in Yilan County. I used to work as a locomotive driver for TRA, a train driver in other words. The school principal has given me this platform to express my artistic skill. He makes art related to shells. We wanted to introduce his work to all our alumni in our school centenary exhibition, and it was an instant hit. Ju hopes that some of the school students will be inspired by the exhibition to develop their own creative relationship with nature.